0: Just Just Golf. Golf. Two one. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of uh, the Just Jacks Golf Podcast. Um, super excited to dive back into my California network and, and have this another super creative person on. Uh, we've got David Cushman. Um if anyone is uh, obsessed with craftsmanship, they will know Cushman Golf. They will know the ridiculously sick putters that David makes. Um, and he's joining us here today. David, how are we?
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: No, not at all, man. Not at all. Um, I, I guess so. The, the, the way we like to start these things in, um, and, and get going is re-dive into the, almost the comic book story of, of our guest. So take us way back, David, like, how did you and golf meet? Like, what was what, what that story?
1: Uh, so for me, I started, uh, I played, like, a lot of other sports as a kid, um, baseball, soccer, basketball. Like, I played those a ton. I skateboarded. I never was introduced to golf as a kid. Uh, my introduction to golf was probably honestly Javi Gilmore. And that was like kind of where I drew my opinions about it from, uh, like the, it was a, kind of like a silly game. I didn't really understand why people would spend the time doing it just because no one ever showed it to me. And then I, I got older and, you know, I, I got married. I met, uh, through my wife, I met a buddy that he would always talk about how he would go golf. And I would always make fun of him and be like, dude, what, just, why are you spending your time like that? I can't believe you do that. And he was like, dude, you just got to come do it. And I went out with him. And, man, it was like the stories that you've heard so many times. Like, I was hooked instantly. Uh, I just couldn't understand. Like, I was always decent at the other sports. I wasn't wasn't going pro or anything. But, like, I could always make the things happen that, like, you needed to make happen out on, like, whatever field you were playing on. And with golf, man, it was just impossible. Like, I could not understand how... Uh, just this little ball that was just sitting there. I couldn't hit it, man. It was it was crazy. <laughs> and so I I just started golfing uh, all the time with him. We started playing, like, weekly. And I can remember, like, the night before I would go out, I would be on, like, YouTube or just on the internet, like, just trying to find anything I could read that would... Like make that round the next day go better and I just remember being so anxious about it and just getting so worked up and like my rounds would go terribly because anytime you do that before like just things never go well and so I I just got hooked on golf and then uh a some some years later like I was into my career as a software developer and I started looking at machining on YouTube I just found all these guys that they They were just showing you like, it was basically like a YouTube and a year straight started watching videos about machining and then started watching machinery auctions because I became interested, like if these guys just have these manual machines, they're just in their garages, but they're able to like support themselves off of them. And so I became really interested in that. And I I watched these auctions, finally found a machine that like I could not refuse to not buy and I purchased the machine, and uh, like one of the first things that came to mind when I got it was, man, I wonder if I can make a putter because I had just actually purchased like my first milled putter, and I thought it was super cool. I thought it was very simple looking, like to make, like the cuts seemed like I could make them with this machine I had just bought. And so I made a putter, and then I made a couple more, uh, and then the whole thing kind of like, blew up. To believe that I made that many of them from just like a Kind of like a random idea
0: yeah and that that's that, that, that's amazing i mean it, t- to go from i guess in your head uh you know viewing golf as a sport that you didn't really want to play, you thought it was for well, not for losers, but you thought it was a bit goofy, wasn't really your thing um to then <laughs> you know being hooked and then actually wanting to create and um, and work in the space it it's sort of quite the quite the tra- tra- transition right
1: yeah, it has been uh that's one of the things I find so cool about golf is like. Everyone that's into it, like in the depths that you and I and like the people that listen to this are into it, like they're obsessed with it and yeah. they're obsessed with it, like in all their own little ways. Like the way I'm attached to it is, I don't get to go out and play a ton. Like I play weekly, which is more than a lot of people, but like I'm, I don't get to go to the golf course and hang out. But like the way I'm attached to it is, like at home, like a lot of my free time is spent like thinking about this stuff, uh, <laughs> building the clubs, trying to come up with new ideas. Like I am like obsessed with it and. Like different people have their different ways. Like you're obsessed with it. You talk to all these people all the time. It's like it takes over your life in so many different ways. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. The, 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 I guess the huge thing that I love about about doing the podcast is just understanding and I guess like broadcasting how many different like ways you can enjoy the enjoy the sport. Right? There's just so many uh, elements to it for people to relate to, and I guess it's like this like it, it's almost a predisposition that you had towards of being like maybe a snobby sport or a bit goofy that stops people enjoying it. But really like it is the work of man's sport, like it, 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 because it's relatable and so uh, enjoyable in, in so many different ways. Um, that, that's amazing. man. What, what I want to sort of dive into, I guess, first and, first and foremost, David is the craftsmanship on these things. Like, you know, golf technology has come a long way and it's, I'm not sure if it's just the marketing, the advertising, Um, But there seems to be a lot of science, a lot of technology behind the clubs that are getting made now. How do you, as a guy who's just a skilled craftsman and developed this on himself, sort of, I guess, um, not compete with that, but, uh, you know, make quality products and have people understand you make quality products where you don't maybe have the marketing dollars a a tailor-made or a tight list does?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I think that companies like TaylorMade, companies like Odyssey, like they they have the money to actually pay people that are like good at math and good at science and can study the way uh, a golf club moves, the way a ball needs to roll. And like, and I think that they do, they're, they are able to optimize what they want to optimize for and make like the golf clubs easier to hit. I think that's what they all are striving to do to make them easier to hit. Yeah. And that's what you see with like the bigger shapes with the weights out to the side. Like it's just increasing forgiveness. Um, I think for me and com- like people like me, companies like me, uh, the way that you have to survive is through craftsmanship, through like classic ideas that are well executed mm-hmm. because like I don't have the money, the knowledge, the time to actually like optimize for anything and make my clubs any better uh, performance wise. So that's that's what I have chosen to do. Um, I've chosen to make them as simply as I possibly can, like basically as low budget as I can. But at the same time, like having this super high quality where when it leaves here, like I'm super proud of every single piece that goes out. And I don't know that, like I'm sure Taylor is proud of what they do, but it feels different to me. Like it feels soulless, like mine feel like they have soul, like the guys that do what I do, they all, like you look at it and there's just, there's character to it because it was made by hand and like every decision that was made on it was made by like a guy thinking about like this particular one. Like that's the thing I notice in mass production all the time is like, a tool start to wear and it'll start to like gouge into a particular part of the putter. And like, you might see a run of them where like a thousand clubs, they all are perfect except in this one little spot, there's like a low spot on it because the tool wore and like no one cared enough to be like, Hey, that tool's kind of worn out. Like the product still looks really good, but it has this imperfection in it. Like no one is going to fix that. Whereas in a shop where it's one guy looking at every piece that goes out, like I take the time to be like, yeah, I don't think that that looks great. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to redo it. And like that's, I think that's where you stay relevant is providing, like the product that people want, customized in their way, and then like perfectly executed uh, within a given style. And so that's uh, that's what I think that I've done like decently well
0: at. Yeah, I, absolutely. But look, so you've you've absolutely nailed it. I guess, I guess sort of two things come to mind when when you've just sort of uh, spoken about that there. Um, Number one is, you know, if I'm going to get a, a handcrafted uh, piece of equipment, it would be the putter because I don't understand how technology can really dictate uh, performance the, all that much in a club that moves less than one mile per hour, where there's there's yep. not the speed, the impact, the angles that you're talking about when you're thinking about drivers and, and irons, right? It's all, a lot of it's feel, a lot of it's in your hands, a lot of it's weighting, yep. um, and good craftsmanship, right? So I think if there's any club that you can, I guess, uh, optimize, you know, handcrafting, it, it's a putter. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, like, when you when you look at what it is, like, you look at the, the classic style of putters, they all look the same. They're a block of metal. They have, like, more weight on the outside. They have a cavity. Like, how much can you change that? Yeah. You know, it's, it hasn't really changed since, like, the first answer design. Like, that design still is classic to this day. Everyone makes one. Because it works. Like it's a block of metal on the end of a stick. <laughs> like we've pretty much figured out the shape, you know? Yeah, so it's like mad though. Like, it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's mad though because like the when you listen to the marketing, look at the advertising, you think you think putting some crazy science, you know, talking about putting laboratories in and how, how much mm-hmm. data do you need to derive from someone's putting stroke to like create a, a, a piece of metal that moves less than one mile yeah. per hour?
1: they 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 take a lot of data from it and they'll they try to interpret it in a lot of different ways but man i uh, yeah i don't
0: like like speed i get like like when you when you introduce speed in 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 club head size and in different swings to you know when you're bringing that into into everything i I agree there's obviously a lot of science and technology that that's shaped around that um but you could a putter's a putter, man. Like I, I and, and that's the other thing that no that, you know, that I would want to speak about. If there's any club I wanted in my bag to be to be handcrafted, it would be the putter. And not only because I think, you know, it requires the least amount of technology, but for me, the is a, a really quite an individual and unique club in the bag. It's the only one where there's only one of it, like I know the drivers you know that you only have one driver but you, you have a three metal, you have a five wood etc, there are woods there are wedges, there are irons, there's only one putter and people just seem to have this sort of special relationship with one and I think the personal, having someone handcraft you a putter that is um, that's so personal to you is another huge thing, are you seeing that in the market as well when you speak to golfers does, does the putter hold a sort of a sacred spot in people's bags
1: hang on a second, let me get in here let me take this out to the shop. I got all my kids at home. Oh, nice. And if I try to go inside anywhere, it'll be so loud. That, <laughs> that was why I was trying to do it out in the shed, because that's the only like quiet spot in the house. But no It'll really, be all right. All good. Okay. And so the question you asked was the personal relationship, like yeah. people wanting a putter, have it to be handcrafted. Okay. Absolutely. Let me ponder.
0: Are you in the shed now?
1: I'm in my garage now. Where is, this, actual... is this
0: where the magic happens? This is it. Oh, show us around. So Look there... at this.
1: That's my mill. Um, this is my smaller mill. Uh, this is the one that, like, actually will run in my garage. This is the small lathe over here. Wow. Where I turn, like, the neck pieces over here is where they all get sanded and shaped and all that. And then... We have a messier area over here. I just moved into this house, so things are kind of a disaster. But that's where the welding happens, and then like this is my table that all the fixturing and things goes on. But it's a wow. bit of a disaster right now.
0: No, it it it, look, it looks like the it looks like the perfect storm. Um, I, I guess with that, David, do you mind sort of running me through? Right do you mind <laughs> to sort of running me through like what that process is? You 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 receive an order from a, from a customer. What does the production process look like for you?
1: Yeah, so um, where we start out is, it it depends on what's being made, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, if it's one of my more stock shapes, we'll start off from a block that's like this. This is a shape that I have drawn in CAD, and then I give it to a friend of mine that has a a heavier machine, and he's able to cut, like, just the cavity shape into it, and then the rest of the block is just, like, a a square piece. And so I take them from that on and then I'm able to, in my garage, I can cut them down to like get the full shape into them. Mm -hmm. And from there, then they get welded up, um, put together into something like this after we make the neck parts. And so that's just like bare steel, no finish or anything on it. Welds are completed. That's that's all done here. This one has a smooth face, but sometimes they'll get like different faces and things put on them. And then from there, um, torch them, or depending on what the finish is, like these patina finishes, color all this craziness, paint, and from there, then I do like the club builder job, and actually like put the shaft on it, um, put the grips on them, set them up right angles and all that. And so it's just like I mean, it's a it's a full like manufacturing process that happens in a garage. Um, I've had to learn all that. Like, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Um, I, like, like I was saying earlier, I did like the YouTube apprenticeship for machining and learned (laughs) how to machine. And then I made myself a putter. And then I realized like, dude, I don't know how to put a shaft in a golf club. Like I've never built a golf club before. So I had to like watch YouTube videos on club building and like how to get the right size shaft for the hole that I drilled the wrong size. Like I had no idea how to do any of this stuff and just, on youtube figured it all out uh tried to go to like that was one of the craziest things to me was I went to the local golf store here there's like a it's called Roger Dunn it's a huge store yeah. like the biggest golf store I've ever seen and I go in there and I ask them questions like what do I do like how do I put a shaft on this and like they, they were like i don't we don't know what to do with this thing like it's not a golf club that we've ever seen before so <laughs> like they were completely unknowledgeable about it, and I was like, dude, how do you not know like these people just couldn't help me at all so just, back to the internet and like had to figure it all out and here we are
0: here we are it's now, crazy now you're a guy who's well i think i think fairly well known in the in the golf circle certainly on the west coast in california someone who designs in and, and handcrafts some unbelievable putters you mentioned before about like you know you're not a huge fan of, of mass production at the same time you must have a well i don't know if you have i shouldn't put this on you at all but like where do you see this venture going now that you've you've got obviously quite clearly got the passion for it you've quite clearly got the capabilities and the skills and you've quite clearly got a strong a strong name in the market like where, where does Cushman go now?
1: That's a good question. Um, it's it's one of the questions that's like plagued me through this whole process <laughs> as it's grown honestly because like I mean it's the classic creator's dilemma like yeah. do you continue making the same thing that you've made over and over or do you try to go and like innovate and do kind of stuff that's more off the wall? Like it's tough to make that decision. Uh, I've struggled with it because, like, I would I would love for this to be my day job, but like,
0: you got family it costs home, a man. lot of money to
1: have. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to support your family and have like health insurance and things when you're doing like a solo venture making custom golf clubs like this. You know, so it's business would need to pick up like drastically to actually make that happen, but yeah i don't know i don't know what to do honestly i've i've struggled with that decision i it's hard to decide whether to just keep doing the same thing or to try to do something that's newer and crazier i don't know i'm i'm not sure what to do there that's uh that's that, a great that, that
0: is a dilemma that, that's fair enough i appreciate the, the 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 honesty i mean is is the dream like if you had a sort of a you know if, if you had a sort of a magic a magic wand would you be doing this as your full time income to support your family oh absolutely Ab- absolutely yeah for sure okay yeah, like okay. i
1: I've never had passion about any job that i've had uh the way that like I'm willing to do stuff for this you know what i mean like i've I've never been that passionate about my day job
0: and are they all are they all c- custom orders all the everything that you do
1: uh for the most part yeah i that's one of the things that i is like part of that big dilemma yeah. too where like filling custom orders is cool, but it's hard too because like people have their ideas and like they're maybe not always the best at communicating those ideas to me. And so just like figuring out what people want and then like delivering them what they actually expected, like those are two very different things. And so like the way a lot of other guys have done that have, has been very successful for them is just to make what they want to make. And then they release that and like, that's what you get. And I kind of wish I would have gone more that route where I had more freedom to make like what I think is cool and just deliver that. But I... My most of my business is more like way more just straight custom orders that people are dictating, like what yeah. exactly they want and
0: deliver that. Dude. I mean, I, 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 I don't know anything about anything. Um, but it, it, I guess it would, it would, it would seem, I guess, um, Logical, if you maybe sort of mass produce like 10 or 20 of the same putter and see how that went. I guess it could be more more time efficient mm-hmm. for you. You don't have to pander to the needs of the customer as much. Although, obviously, I'm sure you enjoy that sort of uh, that consultative work and actually having that relationship with the customer to deliver something exactly for them. I mean, you, you could do something where there's a, a sort of a stock standard that you do, and then you can always do your, your customization on them. Have you thought about maybe going down that route?
1: Yeah, I have a mm-hmm. little bit. That was one the last time that I the guy that I showed makes those little blocks for me that have the cavities cut out the last time I did that that was actually kind of the intention was to order like a bigger number of the partially machined pieces from him and then like kind of finish those off but then like it's man it's crazy like so much of my business is tied to how how much I post on Instagram so as soon as I started working on those and start cutting them like Business is, like, seriously always directly tied to how much I post. So the more I post, the more interest comes. And, like, as soon as I started posting that stuff, like, I got orders that, like, flooded me to where, like, there was no time left to try to finish a production run. It turned into all those clubs, like, were spoken for right away. And so, like, and it's it's always that dilemma, like, how... How do I balance custom with what I want to do, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I think like I, I'm just sort of like spitballing and just sort of like envisioning these things. But I, I absolutely love when people have the amount of passion you do for something. Um, you look at the likes of Titleist who had Scotty Cameron. You know, you, you could be, you could be that guy for a bigger brand and be supported that way. There's yeah. nothing to say that couldn't happen for you as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, actually, that's I interviewed with a company when I changed jobs uh, about a year ago, and I was in talks to basically do that. I'm uh, not at like that scale, yeah. but to like do that kind of work for a major company. And it's just the math didn't work out. It's tough to work in the golf industry. From what I found, man, the pay is not great uh, unless you're like unless you're the proprietor of the company, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that that that's that's something that I talk about a lot on this podcast about. Like it, it seems like if you're young and you're passionate about golf, there aren't that many fucking options for you, man. Like you become a PGA yeah. Tour professional, uh, which is a teaching instructor, which is a hot which is fucking like underrated at how much it takes to get to that level. You try and become yeah. pro. And to get customers and, then, and all that. Yeah. Yep. And and then the then the other route is like work at a golf club. I'm not knocking working at a golf club. That's fucking fantastic if you love if love doing that. But it's certainly not the most well paid. No, j- job in the world. And yeah. then, you know, there just doesn't seem to be that avenues in golf where people can support themselves. And that's that's a big reason why uh, I started this podcast, was to speak to, you know, like I said before, progressive, interesting, fun, smaller brands and people who have got this passion for the game of golf and trying to make it their their full-time gig. Um, it's, it's it's an industry that's dominated by by, you know, a few of the big giants, especially in the sort of the... In the, the equipment and apparel space, for sure. Um, there's innovations in and around sort of um, like how you book your tee times. Well, obviously, we're sponsored by Four Links, like an, an online sort of digital golf club, essentially. But even then, they're all dictated by the big boys, the likes of Golf Now. Um, and so so it's really difficult to break through. But it's weird because it's such a big market with so much consumer money in. You'd think it'd be easier, but it, it, it seems to be actually more difficult than, than most of the industries to, to to break through and make it your full-time, full-time gig
1: yeah i haven't ever really like really sought after trying to get my clubs placed anywhere but from what i've heard like it would be very difficult to get any any store that basically carries, like, any big brands to carry my stuff because, like, the reps that come there to, like, distribute those products, they would see it next to mine and, like, would not, they just wouldn't be cool with that from what I'm told. Mm -hmm. So, like, that seems like basically an impossible avenue. But I think the thing that is really interesting it like, I'm sure you've seen this too and, like, what I just mentioned, Instagram has been, like, the driver behind this stuff so much that, like, that's like the pretty much all the validation that I need to like keep pursuing this thing that like my couple thousand followers that are on there, like that, those people are like wildly interested in what I do. And that's just like the tiniest section of the golf market, I think. And yeah. so like, it, it's like, it just comes down to like getting the message of smaller people like me out that like we exist. Cause as soon as you do that, I think that like the passion shows and like you it's, It's hard for those big companies to connect with people and like i've met man a ton of people and had like a ton of conversations with like the coolest people from all across the world just via this small venture and like that's because i'm so small i'm just one guy like i'm able to do that kind of stuff
0: yeah, man, and that's amazing. I honestly think we're in a space in golf where we're, there's, a, there's a culture and um, a bubbling under the surface that hasn't quite broken through yet, and there are a ton of of interesting brands, companies, and people that are looking to do things a bit differently and break the mold. Uh, an industry that typically is one of the last to sort of catch up to modern times, and it, it, no more so than California. Like, Love him or like it, my hate hate 'em. You've got Melbourne Golf, who will all be overpriced. It's still breaking through in culture, making golf appealing to yep. to a different sort of demographic. You've got Ryan at Nation Golf, who's sort of upholding the classic style. You know, you've, yep. you've got Jimmy Tuppercorn doing his thing. Um, you've got Trap Golf, which is like this cool hip hop, awesome community going on. Like, there's a lot of shit happening that's under the surface that hasn't quite broken through to like mainstream, but I can feel it happening. Um, I think if you keep going, you're gonna have nothing but success man have you, have you tried tiktok at all i know you probably think it's for a bunch of kids but have, are you on tiktok
1: <laughs> no i have i've never looked at it other Dude, than like when those things get posted into instagram
0: forget about forget about the dancing like short <laughs> short short production videos of you making your put i swear down will 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 blow up like the organic reach on there is is ridiculous and if you're getting that much i guess demand from a you no know, from a small cross section on instagram i think I think that that could be a cool place to be. Have you um have, are you I'll familiar with out. with Royalty Sports? Do you know Royalty Sports at all?
1: I yeah I know of them through like Colorado Golf Blog and those guys. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I I know the guy Bobby over there pretty well. He seems to be doing pretty well with club manufacturing. I can put you guys in touch if you want some advice off him, maybe. Um, I'm just just trying to think how I can how I can maybe help. I, I know the the marketing guy over at Ben Hogan. I can put you guys. I don't know if. I, do, yeah, I think absolutely, just, just absolutely, conversations man. and asking for help and understanding yep. people's ideas always always helps. Because you've, you've got this amazing passion, like I see, um, and an amazing product. and I, I want out there. I want you to be doing this full time. Because like I said, we, we need people like you uh, to be doing this more. Because at the minute, was it nights and weekends for you?
1: Yeah, nights and weekends. Um, and sometimes during the day when I can sneak away from work for a minute, but I try uh, to keep it as much nights and weekends as possible.
0: Nice, man. But what about in, in Cali are you based?
1: We're like forty-five minutes to the east of LA. Um, we're in Corona, California, and we're like right in between Palm Springs and LA. I guess the best way to put it—kind
0: of. Oh like shit! You, you, you've, you've got some serious golf on your doorstep. Everywhere you look.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. There's—I have this list that I keep. That's like uh, every course that I've played, and I think I'm closing in on 100 courses. And like almost every single one of those is within like 50, 60 minutes of me. It's just unreal, and I have like a list of like fifty more courses that are that close to like it's it's truly unreal that we have that many courses and that weather is good year round. Like it's raining today, but that's probably like the fifth or sixth day that it in the last year that it's rained. Maybe ten days at most. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: man. That that that's obviously you're you're a bit more inland, so you you see even more of this sun than the guys over on, on the coast. But I I think. I think that's a big part of what's fueled. I guess the creativity in the in the in the sort of the West Coast market is the fact you can play all year round. So there's that constant demand yep. for golf, um, which is well, which is obviously obviously incredible. And it's, like, like I said before. So I've built a half decent network over there. I've spoken to you know the guys over Tempo, for example, Rams Hill. I've put all these amazing courses. I've given away free rounds at those courses, but not been able to play them myself yet. Um, so it's it's, it's incredibly <laughs> yeah, frustrating. That's to see and know just how good and varied the golf is, but not have experienced it for myself yet. Um, I've played a, a bit of Muni golf in, in L.A., um, and that's the other fucking thing I love about about California—the the municipal golf culture. Like you can just turn up in, you know, flip flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. No one gives a fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is cool. Sadly, there's not really any great municipal courses out our way, but I mean, there's a ton of great public courses that are. I- are i wouldn't know that i wouldn't say that they're that lax but like you could get away with a t-shirt and most of them especially like the places that i play which are more affordable out here but yeah it is a it's a great place for innovation like it always has been i mean you look back like pretty much when california started like the gold rush and like levi's that like the, the whole san francisco blow up like just california has always been crazy ever since it started
0: absolutely man i, I like i said I'm, I'm so jealous and um Look, I guess that's all I've really got time for, for for, for this episode, David. But look, I just wanted to sort of thank you again. Um, It's my absolute passion to put people like you on, try and put people like you on the map. Um, It seems like you've got an awesome following at the moment and you obviously produce an amazing product. Uh, Keep it up. Let me know how I can potentially help you, man, because like I said before, I'm passionate about uh, helping as many people get into the mainstream and um, I guess make golf a full-time gig. Because who doesn't want that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I appreciate it and yeah that's that's my ultimate goal is to make this uh, take more of my time up somehow so I'm looking forward to doing that and appreciate you having me
0: well thanks very much for your time Dave looking forward to the continuing relationship take it easy thanks All right, take man. Care. bye